Hello, people of Earth. Welcome to the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. I'm Dr. Thunder. Each week, my co-host Rich and I talk to the people making the culture we're obsessed with and bond with them over their own obsessions, whether it's weird pop culture, vintage ephemera, taking the perfect photo, or telling the perfect story. This week, you'll hear part two of our hilarious and heartfelt conversation with Kevin Allison. Kevin hosts the long-running popular podcast, Risk, where people tell raw and uncensored true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. He teaches storytelling and founded the Story Studio in New York. Rich and I love Risk, and I'm a huge fan of Kevin's sketch comedy group, The State. Today's episode does include graphic language and topics. It's not safe for work unless you work at a cursing factory, an S&M dungeon, and you know what? If you do, more power to you. Before we start, I want to play something amazing that Kevin produced for us, a promo not only for his podcast, but for ours. We were so flattered that he took the time to talk about what we're doing, and so thankful that he's become such a booster and essential advisor of this podcast. So here it is. Hey folks, this is Kevin Allison of The Risk Podcast, where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I've been a big fan of the Vintage Annals Archive Instagram for a long time now. I love all the love that goes into the celebration of some of the more obscure and off the beaten path parts of pop culture history and you know the amazing artists and bohemians who might not be so much in the spotlight right now but that we still have so much to be inspired by or, or just to have a good laugh with and now i'm such a big fan of the vintage annals archive podcast i'm one of the first guests on it I gotta say, Rich and Dr. Thunder, their style is so unpredictable and surprising and just doesn't follow all the conventions of your typical like interview podcast. It's much more like conversations with friends that can just go anywhere. Just kind of like my podcast, Risk, you know, in comparison to other storytelling shows, there is a level of raw honesty and intimate vulnerability in the stories shared on Risk. People have shared jaw-dropping stories about cannibalism or kidnapping or the kinkiest sort of kink stories, you know, but also spiritual breakthroughs, beautiful stories about transcending trauma, near-death experiences, and even, you know, just flat-out hilarious, you know, the most mortifying things that people have lived through. That's why Risk is such a favorite podcast of therapists and outdoor adventurers and activists and writers because it's a show that is just so filled with life at its most so that is why the risk podcast and the vintage annals archive podcast are so simpatico good friends (laughs) a lot in common so seriously do yourself a favor subscribe to both podcasts and spread the word take a risk Thank you so much for that, Kevin. We're so honored to even be mentioned in the same breath as a show like Risk. If you haven't listened to Risk already, you're really missing out, so make sure you go to risk-show.com or search for it anywhere you listen. As for us, you can find us at vintageannalsarchive.com. Follow us at vintageannalsarchive on Instagram, and please subscribe to this podcast just about anywhere you find them. You can even record a voice message for us from a link on our website, either for us to use in the next show or just to say hi. All right, let's get started. The first voice you'll hear is Dr. Thunder, an incredibly handsome costume karaoke host turned hero for hire, whose gorgeous and brilliant wife Alex helps him edit these intros. My co-host, as always, is the photographer Rich Wexler, creator and curator of the Vintage Annals Archive site and Instagram feed. Here we go. I, I really love that you're saying you have all this creativity around changing format and trying new things. Even yeah. this late, you know, what, 13 years on in the life of the podcast. That's, yeah. that's great to hear, you know, that it's still growing that way. Yeah. You know, one of the things we've been thinking about is creating more buckets for people. Because another thing that people are very, very into these days, and I, I, I do it myself, people like to curate their art by mood. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, like over on Spotify, there's my ambient going to sleep 
list, you know, or there's my 70s funk walk around on a sunshiny day mix, you know, that kind of thing. So one of the things about risk is that it's very unpredictable. You know, you don't know if you'll be listening to a very funny story and then all of a sudden, like something horrible happens. Right. <laughs> so we've been thinking, how can we repackage things for people who do want some predictability or, or, you know, like this is just funny stories. We guarantee you, or these stories get really kinky and they're all really kinky, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're thinking about that. And, and in doing that, letting ourselves continue to experiment because we can say, Oh, well, if you wanted just that, we do offer that as well. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to yeah. kind of end things up. I want to recommend everybody who's listening to this or watching it or whatever they're doing with it to ch please check out Risk. It's amazing. My favorite story is, it's one of the kink stories about the trolls. Oh, my God. Justice comes to the gnome I mean, this, I have a lot more of the favorites. <laughs> I, have a lot, I have more favorites than that one. And we enter the gazebo, which is dark until someone turns on a miner's headlamp. And it is the guy who summoned me there dressed as a gnome. Then other people emerge from out of the shadows and it's a bunch of other guys also dressed as gnomes. And what happens next is a kind of kangaroo court that one, like, I, I, I literally envision in my head like it's a weird animation. I can, I can, I see an animated version of that in my head when I listen to it. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I did get excited when you suggested an animated version of Risk or, yeah, or the state. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's a perfect example of, um, you know, so that takes place. That's Nayland Blake. And Nayland is an, an incredible person. He's an artist and, and a teacher. I think he teaches at Columbia or something. Wow. Anyway. And that takes place at a kink camp and it's an all male kink camp. And yes, th these fellas are sussing him out. Th 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 I've been to this kink camp before and uh, there's a thing called ambushing where, you know, people are kind of studying you just in regular conversations you don't realize they're taking down notes <laughs> and in his case it was an entire year later like it, it wasn't it, it wasn't even that weekend it's an entire year later these people had been planning to wow. dress like garden gnomes and create these crazy voices and kidnap him and torture him as little garden gnome <laughs> I think it's my favorite kind of joke put him on trial and everything yeah yeah it's an, it's incredible and, but also it, it the, those kind of stories like people a lot of people you know are just not kinky a lot of people are just not kinky but a lot of people also just don't understand like say role play, you know, like in that, in that case, like that is a very, that's a, a group activity role play. And yeah, it can, that can look incredibly bizarre to someone from the outside, but to someone who's in it, who's blindfolded and hearing these voices and feeling the pain of the whip and all that kind of thing, he can really take you there. And yeah. even though it's just such an absurd and ridiculous situation, you're like, yeah. Okay. But to me, I that, guess I get some of the stuff that he's feeling, you know? To me, that story, when I remember it, it's, it's all, I mean, I remember thinking how warm and kind that story was. Oh, yeah. I mean, th that story is ultimately about people recognizing that people do have preferences and, and kinks and fetishes for certain types of people. And sometimes people take a lot of offense at, oh, oh, okay. So you're going to fetishize me for having red hair or what, it, you know, like you'll hear a lot of that sort of thing. And especially around race, it's very understandably very, very complicated. And, you know, like some serious harm can be done around fetish, fetishization around race. 
But um, but when when some of these things happen, like Nayland has a thing for very short men with big beards, and they <laughs> they all decided to like actually act like they were offended, and you know, like how so dare amazing. you? But in in fact, what they're doing is is celebrating it. <laughs> I mean, it's just a great joke. So wait a year for a punchline is the best joke. Yeah. And yeah, also, like, it, it really shows how much they cared, you know. Yeah. And what a kindness to do to someone you know you don't really even know that well. Like that to me is. You know, people can be kind to their families. People who impress me are people who are kind to some stranger on the street because that's kindness. You have to be kind to your family. You have to kind of take care of people around you, but you don't have to go out of your way to offer shit to a stranger. And those are always my favorite people who would like do anything for a stranger. That to me is a mark of like, I can imagine you'd be, I feel like you'd probably are like that, where you'd offer the same to a stranger as you might do a good friend. I hope so. I mean, I, I couldn't. I couldn't say I, I live up to that. Isn't that what risk is? Aren't you? Yeah, well, no, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I think that one of the things that's so hard, or that storytelling really makes you face, is that in storytelling we try to put into words our our, our greatest hopes and our greatest fears and stuff like that and and we try storytelling is very much trying to make sense out of things and it always falls short to some extent because words really can't make total sense out of things you know so so every storyteller will come to a point where they're like is this the whole truth or, <laughs> oh, I say that, but do I really practice what I preach? Like, it's, it's funny, you know, one of the reasons that certain kinds of uh, artists, like say Van Gogh with his sunflowers or Scorsese with his, you know, uh, criminal world uh, stuff is that artists are working with their complexes, right? So it, it makes perfect sense that so many Kevin Allison stories end with me learning the same fucking lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and it being clear that there's some part of me that just doesn't learn the lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that I think your point about like other people's stories, I think that mm -hmm. is the gift of like storytelling is just what you said before, like you can connect and feel okay based on someone else's. Oh, I'm not alone in this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's something archetypal. Well, we've had, like, for example, some of the kinky stories that have been shared on Risk, like, like I, I mentioned before that we had that one uh, scat play story on Risk where there's shit eating in the story in an erotic context. There's a lot of shit in the history of Risk, including but, shit eating, but there's only one story where it's being done in, a, in an erotic context, right? And for that story, I was so nervous. I was like, people are gonna hate me for putting this out there because so many people find this particular fetish so disgusting, right? So I put trigger warnings around it and all that sort of thing. But it's really a 35 minute story about consent and negotiation. You know, it's really about two men falling in love and continuing to experiment first with spanking and then with whipping and then with urine stuff and then finally the scad stuff and and after dinner he said drayton i have scat fantasies i have never done it before someday i want to shit in your mouth and he said it just like that like the point of the story is all the consent and negotiation and trust that they're building over time i, I couldn't believe how well that story was received like to this day <laughs> people write to me about that story and when i press send on the goddamn thing i was like this is the <laughs> end of me you know what i mean like um but but no there was a woman who wrote to me shortly after we released it and she said i am a christian mother of four living in ohio and uh there is not a kinky bone in my body and i couldn't believe that you had me crying <laughs> tears of love listening to that story and i'm like well there it is there's the fucking power of storytelling it doesn't really matter what it's about 
What matters is that the person can relate to the emotional journey that someone went went through. So okay. for, for someone learning that level of trust in doing that, scat play and whatnot, I mean, someone else is going to learn that level of trust with someone else in their life. I don't know, yeah. jumping out of an airplane or whatever it might, you know, like they're totally different or getting a divorce or I don't know, you know, like people, people surprise you with how they can relate to stuff. Ever wonder how people make money creating podcasts when they're just starting out? Well, I'll let you in on our little secret. We don't. If you'd like to support the show so we can keep sharing these great conversations with the creators we love or want to sponsor the show with an ad, please reach out to us directly at VentureJournalsArchive at gmail.com. Some of the best ways to support the show are totally free. Post about the podcast, rate and review and subscribe to it, as well as our Instagram at VentureJournalsArchive. Put us in touch with people you think we should interview. Thanks so much just for listening. And now back to the show. I think my point of generosity is, you know, you could have set this up to only interview people that are well known. You could have set this up to only like famous people. So that's where I feel like you are being very generous to strangers because you don't you don't have to do that. Oh, also anonymous. Probably like, for example, like, like that that story is is another example where he didn't go by his real name. The fellow right, who told that story. It's still it's still you're still making a choice that is probably negatively influencing your thing to do what feels true and oh right. yeah like you're gonna think, get less attention if you don't have i think uh, that's a famous the, the sign yeah. of like a true a true artist where it's just it's true to what you want to do which makes it authentic which i feel like again when people are like that they're usually shooting this off in the foot because you're going to do better if you just have these lighter stories with people that are more well known that are you know being the rachel ray of podcasts like you would do a lot better <laughs> but it's not it's not in there which is fine yeah, yeah, I have yeah, to yeah, imagine yeah. the goal is always just to get the best possible story from whoever it is. is tell it. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people that the stakes, like the stakes in risk stories generally have to be very high. But what I tell people is that doesn't mean you have to have like been eaten by sharks, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, had a heroin overdose and almost died. It just means that you need to be able to share why you cared so much about God. Mm. You know, like someone shared about like having a total panic attack playing a game of charades when she was in the eighth grade because she was severely introverted and and uh, had social anxiety. And yeah. she was like, well, I mean, it's just a game of charades. That I guess this isn't risk material. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what matters. What matters is that you share how you were feeling and, and help us. We can relate to that. I mean, right. not about charades, but someone else might be afraid to get on an airplane or whatever the fuck it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And an example would be Sarah Silverman having a musical about wedding or bed when earlier and a, and a book and where she never thought she'd reveal that to anyone in her life. But now it's become this big part of her creative journey. Oh, my God. Yeah, I went to bed till I was 13. Wow. Which yeah. is supposedly, I mean, you know, this is when people say this, it's like, okay, I guess, whatever. But supposedly a lot of serial killers wet the bed till they were 13. Wow. Because <laughs> you're, you're being brave. I, sucked my, I think I sucked my thumb till I was about 14. Oh, oh wow. wow yeah i never that's something i definitely do not share with people that's intense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's now I, yeah, other, I, now I just do other people's sons and it's fine i right. i keep trying to think in uh listening to risk what story i would tell that i haven't already told my friends about you know dirty stories or something that would actually be embarrassing do you find oh, people yeah. struggle with finding the story that they actually wouldn't share with their close friends well that's another thing that is another thing. I also tell people that you needn't necessarily think of it in those terms, right? A person can have shared a story on the moth and come to oh. us and we'll be like, okay, let's poke and prod and see if there's parts of that story <laughs> you didn't tell on the moth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you would be amazed at yeah. how, okay, there's parts that didn't weren't so appropriate to be sharing elsewhere and then when you poke and prod at that kind of stuff you'll be like oh my god this is the real fucking story <laughs> yeah. you know so yeah we, we we tell people oh it doesn't matter if you've actually shared it elsewhere what we want you to do is to like see if there are parts of it that are 
will be newly revealing, you know? If you get yeah. a chance to go through the archive of Instagram, like, I mean, that's how we're operating. I, we share all kinds of stories. I mean, one piece of it is like sharing BIPOC and LGBTQ plus stories and, his, and history, but also mm -hmm. like stuff that like I know is pushing it. And right now, even with like censorship, I'm not even sure. I, I, I don't try to worry too much, but I get tinged on stuff that I'm like, it's it's a it's a joke ad and it's like this is not historical accurate i'm like it's a joke what i want to ask alex to give right back though is alex if you're okay answering yeah. one question for me sure what 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 story might you tell if you were going to do risk oh god and you don't, have to, uh, well... you don't have to give too much away but would there be a story <laughs> that you can kind of speak around that might be something that you would actually what that story is for you if you want to share I'm just, I kind of want to tie this to my, my problem is, and I, I was kind of getting at it with my question was that some of those stories that would immediately come to mind are things that I've already told my friends, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the dirtier story. I was attacked by a bear while going down on a woman. And then years later on a different, on a totally different continent was uh, threatened by a wild boar while going down on a different woman. And oh, so like, that that would seem to be like oh that's perfect risk material but i've kind of told that story to a bunch of my oh, friends no no already, no no so no, no, really... no 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 i i i i am always like um upset when people think that that's the premise of the show okay i mean All right. the, the the we don't what i always tell people is any thematic thing that they think we're doing to have a very like Taoist approach to it of being like, okay, maybe that, but then also maybe this, you know what I mean? So what we say is, okay, if the tagline that people never thought they'd dare to share doesn't appeal to you, then maybe just the word risk appeals to you. Or, mm. uh, or if we're doing an evening of risk and we say, okay, suggested themes are family or shame or whatever, and we'll always say, and if that word doesn't speak to you, then just think about being revealing. You know what I mean? So so we're very, very flexible and open okay. about what people are like, for example, what's what what you immediately made me think of is that on next week's episode, the philosopher Daniele Bellelli, a great name, is going yeah. to share two stories that happened to him during the nadir of his life, during the belly of the whale period of his life, when his wife had died, he was losing his house, and he lost his tenure. So wow. literally everything in his life fell apart within the course of a few months, and he was raising a newborn baby. Oh my God. Uh, so he tells these two little stories about two things that happened to him in that period that rem that gave him hope in himself and hope in humanity again, right? And so what yeah. we're doing on the podcast is we're letting one be a, a small story and then we return later and you he's very he's got a very Italian accent, so you immediately recognize. Oh, this is Daniele Bellelli right. again, and he goes right back into you know a couple months later. Of course, I was still grieving the loss of my wife and yada yada yada. And then mm -hmm. something else beautiful happens to him. But yeah, that could that, I immediately thought, oh my god, two incidences <laughs> of of uh, being attacked by animals yeah. while having sex. Those could be two separate little anecdotes in a uh, in a risk episode. Well, hey, I'd I'd love to do it sometime. I, I see you're I teaching storytelling really through your site, story. right? Yes, yes, yes. I also teach storytelling. I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one training, and people can look me up at kevinallison.com. Um, and then I also have a school, uh, the Story Studio at the storystudio.org, and that's where the various coaches story coaches for risk are also faculty members so they'll do group workshops on storytelling and all oh, and corporate workshops we do a lot of those that's oh, another wow. reason i think if i did go to someplace like asia there would be like oh yeah. there's a there's definitely room for like teaching folks how to communicate differently in the workplace and all that kind of it's thing it's been like you know? 10 years in japan doing crazy ass risk stories because that whole culture is 
and that's the thing like in japan japan is like the ultimate like of of the asian cultures with their they're they're very much polar right like so yes a lot of kinky stuff does happen and it's very much behind closed doors like like to have people sharing about like even just being homosexual is considered something to keep behind closed doors you know what i mean (laughs) um so uh yeah, so, so to have people sharing publicly about it would be very bizarre over there. Even though, right, when I went to Tokyo, I posted about it on Facebook, and a woman wrote, she was like, "Oh my God, you're in Tokyo! You have to come to my storytelling show. It's based <laughs> on Risk." And I went, and of course, <laughs> I, I went, and it was in a speakeasy, and it was all expats. <laughs> it oh, was all wow. in English. But it was delightful, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, of course, there's there's the expat global community as well. Um, but yeah. Is there any uh, thought of like franchising risk in the way that I guess the moth has done where they have local moths or excuse me if this is already something that's happening, but. No, well, we do we do have our L.A. show and we've always wondered you know, like Chicago Portland is always huge for us. Chicago's usually big for us. Austin's usually, I'm talking about when we tour the show. So yeah, we have thought about that. I was very interested to talk to the guys from Mortified the other day, another show that has been around. They've been around for 20 years and we were kind of um, commiserating (laughs) the other day about how everything's changed. But they, they said that their satellite mortified shows are mm-hmm. extraordinarily autonomous like the producers like can put on a show if they want that month or not yeah and you know maybe. like 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 and I'm like oh well I, maybe i could live with that <laughs> they're just out there doing their own thing i will say that in many cases if someone has changed careers we will be okay, like at risk. One of the things that I'm always impressing upon people is that I want the storyteller to feel good about the sharing that they did. So mm. if someone has started working with children and there's a lot of new eyes on what they're doing, I, I, I'm perfectly okay with like them reaching out and being like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I can take it out of an episode. We can re-edit old episodes. You know, I'm perfectly oh, wow. fine with that. We, when we first started the story studio, it was funny because we were brand new in the corporate sphere. And, you know, I'm not, obviously, I'm not a corporate kind of a guy. Um, and we landed almost immediately this huge gig with this huge corporation that I will not name, but, uh, but, but a very like a precious brand, you know, and we lost this gig. I was like, Oh my God, that's going to, you know, so much money. And it's going to help us get on our feet and everything with this, the story studio. And I talked to the representative, like, like there was an, a go between like an agent or whatever that had hooked it up with us. And she said, yeah, they, they heard that you told a story on a podcast about having sex in a church. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> exactly what brought Opie and Anthony down apparently. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Dr. Thunder Karaoke is a proud sponsor of the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. Hey, that's me. If you want karaoke at your next birthday party, family reunion, staff party, house party, wedding reception, parole hearing, or any type of event, go to thunderkaraoke.com or at thunderkaraoke on Instagram or Facebook to schedule it now. We do both in-person and virtual events, karaoke or DJing or trivia games, and everything from emceeing kids karaoke to stripping into my cape and tights anywhere you need me. We've got a roster of amazing DJs just waiting to make your party unforgettable, so schedule yours today. Now, back to the show. I can't imagine when you started Risk in 2009 that you really had like a mission to expose everyone in every part of America to people whose stories they wouldn't necessarily hear. Stories of kink, stories of other cultures, but... 
has that kind of become part of your mission or in your head when you're editing or choosing stories or coaching people that someone like you will grow up being able to hear those kinds of stories that they wouldn't necessarily hear, be exposed to those lives and relate to people like, like that Christian mother of four did. Right. Uh, that right. Wouldn't necessarily be able to. Well, it's wild. We just reran uh, Maya James recorded a story with us when she was 17. Uh, but I think she started listening when she was closer to around 11 and wow. This was back, unfortunately, this was in 2015, uh, before a lot of us were as aware of how much racism there is in America than yep. we are right now. And so hearing this 17-year-old child tell a story about growing up Black in Michigan, I think, mm. and... Um, the incidents of racism she had dealt with as a child, especially as yeah. such a sweet, beautiful soul. You can tell a little kid that, hey, those other kids don't want to play with you because they think that you're too light-skinned or they think you're too black. And that would happen a lot. It's an, it's an excruciating story, um, but she said, this show saved my life. I sent you this story yeah. because this show saved my life. Like wow. listening to it since I was 11. Um, and no, so I, I, when I first conceived of the show, what happened was I was, it was 12 years since the state had broken up and I was doing all these crazy kooky characters on stage and often having stage fright because I was, you know, wanted to be perfect. Um, and Michael Ian Black, another member of the state came to see one of those shows and it was a bad night. It was like, I was not connecting with that audience. And afterwards he said, man, I think the audience was kind of wishing you would just drop the act, like just tell your own stuff. And I said, oh, that feels a little, I feel like I've heard that in the back of my head my whole life mm -hmm. to do that, but, but it feels too risky. And he was like, there you go. pay attention to that word. Like it feels well, risky. That's probably a good wow. sign. That's all, that's all that. I mean, that comes from like, I mean, I, I'm a comedy nerd as well. That comes from all like the truth, you know, truth and comedy, all the Del Close stuff. Right. Comes from right, like, right. you know, yeah. that world. And I mean, I do think like, you know, you got to be real yeah. and the realness is what makes it funny. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oftentimes like actors in comedic films who can act the most naturally and like it's not funny. You know, Monty Python were were big believers in that of you know, how how would the the words that we're saying are completely insane, but right. but how how can we make it sound like we're really really in this yeah so uh, when I, I i decided to fly back that i did that show in san francisco that's when michael ian black gave me that advice and on the mm. plane ride home i was like okay maybe i should just tell a true story somewhere i had heard of the moth i had never been right. to the moth i was aware of this american life but that's not exactly the same thing so I, and i had heard that podcasts existed you know what i mean it was 2008 <laughs> um and so i'm on the plane and i'm thinking okay i could tell a true story but it he said it should be risky. What's the riskiest story I can think of? And I thought that sharing about the first time I tried prostituting myself when I was 23 years old, right before the state got hired onto MTV. Oh and when I was obvious, well, not, I mean, some people do sex work because they love sex work, but at 23, I was not, I was, I was penniless. Um, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people don't realize this, but Prostitution can be fun. I said, uh-huh. To tell you the truth, the whole time I'd been living with him, I wasn't sure where he was getting the rent. Yeah, so I thought I, if I told that story, it would be very risky. And I yeah. uh, 
called a friend who I knew had a storytelling show, or actually just an acquaintance, Margot Lightman. She had a show at UCB in Chelsea called uh, Strip Stories. So they were all stories about people's sex lives. And uh, I told her, I, I'll tell a story about when I first tried prostitution. And she was, uh, she was like, great, that's fantastic. Then the day of the show, I called her and I was like, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And she said, oh my God, why not? I said, uh, it, I just, it's just, it feels too risky. And she said, that's great news. I said, what? She said, oh, the day of the, I, this show is all people sharing about their sex lives. She's like, the day of the show, there's usually someone who calls and says, I can't do this. It's too risky. Wow. And if I can convince them to do it, that's the one I think, that is going to. Wow. I think, that's, a, I think that's, a, that's the positive nature of anxiety. I feel like, you know, fear comes up, but that fear is kind of telling you you're you're getting close to it. Like, you're about oh, to yeah. do this. And I feel like a lot of people misunderstand that anxiety is I shouldn't do it and, and not only getting it because they're about to do something that really makes sense. And I feel like that's where a lot of people jump off right before they're like, wow, this that's is, a, this is, you know what I'm saying? That's and, a great, it, great, great point. As far as anxiety, I, I was going to say earlier that I feel like people with anxiety or might be more introverted. Uh, maybe they seem more drawn to taking the stage, especially in controlled environment. Like I'm going to get yeah, up and tell yeah, well, a story I always, because they can let it out yeah. and get more of a high that way because they're anxiety. Oh yeah. 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 I think that, you know, like I always think of Judy Garland and like that thing of her loving being in front of 800 people and then freaking out, uh, just mm. going back to, being in the green room with one or two, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I, I know that feeling. You, you were asking like about the, the vision of the show, about the whole philosophy and ethos of the show. It was after when I told that story at UCB about prostituting myself for the first time, during the course of the story, I heard all the voices in my head that are always criticizing me for, oh, they're not gonna like this. You know, like, oh, you're too gay right now. Oh, this part's too kinky. Oh, this is too graphic. Oh, this is too Midwestern sounding now. You're being too yeah. polite. You know, just all the usual things that I would say to myself going into an audition or something. But mm -hmm. every time I leaned in and just allowed it to be as kinky or as polite and Midwestern or as spiritual or whatever as, you know, like later on in Risk, I really shocked everyone with like a very Catholic story from my childhood where I really wanted to honor the faith I used to have, you know, and people were like, what the fuck is this, you know? But when you lean into that and yeah. you really like you allow people to see those sides of yourself, actually they start leaning into you. So I was so right. lit up. I was so lit up walking away from UCB that night. I was like, I haven't felt that sort of electricity, that sort of connection with an audience in I don't yeah. know how long. So I walked down 8th Avenue and the entire idea for the show came to me. Yes. I realized well, it, has, it has to be a podcast so mm -hmm. that it can reach people beyond small room comedy. I have to like do live shows so that I can get over my stage fright and teach myself how to tell stories because that was the state's philosophy. We taught ourselves how to do sketch comedy by doing it. And then Reno 911, those guys taught themselves improv just by doing that show. Like we were, wow. we were always very kind of not into classes kind of people, you know? Wow. Um, so I was like, I, I brought the state's philosophy to risk. I was like, I'm going to learn how to tell stories by creating a storytelling show. I did know that the premise was going to be step outside your comfort zone, kind of come out of the closet about something, all that sort of thing. And so I guess I didn't foresee, <laughs> I didn't foresee just exactly how powerful that was going to be. Right. It, it, the, the very first story I tried recording with someone, the very first episode was going to be called, well, it was called Strange Sex. Sat down with a gal and she was going to tell a really funny story <laughs> about a really wild, drunken night in college. And as she was telling the story, I started to see her eyes glaze over 
And mm. I started to see the wheels spinning in her head. And I was like, oh, I'm looking at someone who is realizing <laughs> this ain't a funny story. <laughs> right. And so I said to her, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to give you this recording. You, you know, I'll send it to you. Sleep on it. We don't have to put this on the show. We could re-record it if you want or whatever. But, you know, like, don't don't worry about it do what you got to do. And I've always been that way with people. Like, uh, like if, if I sense that someone's like still processing, I'll back off and let them do what they got to do. But anyway, yeah, like, like the, it started to occur to me as I was doing the show. Oh, this is, this is going to be powerful shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, well in, a, in a way, how can any of us really learn that we're not alone in feeling a certain way or liking a certain thing if someone doesn't share fully uh, yeah. like all of your storytellers do, if they're not putting it all out there yeah. for people to see and say, oh, I'm not the only one who feels that way. Have you? Yeah. Rich Wexler Photography is proud to sponsor the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. Rich uses photography as a way to connect with all types of diverse communities and to celebrate the rituals within them. He's available for hire for creative portraits and special events. Like his work in curating Vintage Annals Archive, his main influence is the past, so he enjoys shooting on film, Polaroids, and even in 3D. More information can be found at richwexlerphotographer.com or on his Instagram or Facebook of the same name. That's richwexlerphotographer.com. Now back to the show. Kevin, have you ever pulled a story because it felt too exploitative and you asked, you either asked them to stop or you decided you didn't want to release it? Has it ever happened? Oh, well, well, that go against the whole idea of it? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, there are a bit. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I I think he's dead now. But Michael Alec, the the murderer who, yeah. um, the party, see, he, he was determined to tell a story on risk and... I got on the phone with him. <laughs> like, like I, I was like, all right. Like I thought, okay, well, if he, if he's like in a 12 step program or something like that, maybe I can work with him. Uh, but I could not work with him. Uh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, no, there have been many stories where, uh, you know, I want to talk about what a bitch my wife was. And it's like, uh, no, that's not the spirit <laughs> of the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or sometimes, you know, someone will tell a story where you're like, mm, you know, like one of the hardest ones is drugs and alcohol, because someone will tell a story sometime where you're like, it sounds like you haven't yet realized. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're still in it. Yeah. They're still living the story. <laughs> and there have been many stories where I have had to come on afterward as the host and talk to the audience about this person's perception of what happened. You might have been through almost the identical thing and you don't have to feel the way they feel about it. You know what I mean? Like right. in, in cases of like rape or psychological abuse or something like that, like people have very different feelings. Uh, you know, some people are not traumatized, for example, yeah. for having like had sex with an adult when they were a kid and could talk about that on risk. And, and I'll come on afterwards and be like, <laughs> that is just that person's experience yep you don't have to feel that way <laughs> have, have you ever had someone tell a story and then come back and feel a different way about oh, it or all no? the time all the time we wow. have had people come back and tell redux or sequel sorts of stories to share about how I was wrong back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever oh, worked okay. with anybody who's in jail? Have you ever worked with anybody who's Yes, yes. We, we had a fellow who, the timing was insane. He, he was just getting out of prison. And we were very worried about it, about us. We didn't want to, we don't want to be exploitative. You know what I right. mean? Like, like right. in his case, a friend was like, yeah, my buddy's got to get on the podcast because he has crazy stories from prison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, typical of someone like not at all college educated, maybe not even high school educated. And 
absolutely amazing, an amazing storyteller and an amazing personality and character. And then he was back in prison within like a couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, and, th and then there have been people who I've worked with on like their parole process of trying to tell their story to the system <laughs> so that they might be able to be rehabilitated and get out, you know, but it's really hard. It, it's hard to get, to get all the clearance to get a story from someone who is currently in prison. Yeah. It's yeah, more, yeah. I guess I go back to more of the question of exploitation. Like, I mean, I do a lot of photography with people. I don't, I'm not a person who does like exploitative. Like if someone's laying down or homeless, I will not take their photo. I don't do that kind of like, like that kind of stuff. But if somebody wants to give me something, there's a photo I have in mind. You know, there's a guy who was like definitely not, it was in Vegas, but he was definitely not doing well, but he wanted to have his photo taken. He posed, where is it my right to decide for him if it's exploitative or not? If that's what he wants to show me, like that's- it's Right, right, right. That's a, like the uh, Diane Arbus- um, Right. Sort of stuff. Yeah. What, you know, in the same way, like it, it, it's not always, are you, am I exploiting you? Is it, does this look exploitative to other people is the other question. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and it's a very case by case basis. You know what I mean? I mean, we've been re-releasing old episodes and we've been taking some lines out or entire stories out, you know, just based on our new perceptions and our new judgment around things. And we've been wrongfully accused of stuff all the time. You know, people have written to me, oh, you're a pedophile or you're, you're a rape apologist or, Ugh. or that kind of thing. Uh, or, or, you know, like, you're trying to push exorcisms on, you know, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just the guy who's sharing with you what other people have experienced. When you, when you hear that, yeah. are, do you feel, feel like you're wrong or bad or do you just brush it off? Well, I, I used to be very, very reactive and my business partner, JC, she helps me go through my email inbox and the biggest problem is right-wingers, you know, uh, wanting to call me a faggot and a pervert and a, you know all that kind of stuff. But I became kind of vociferous during the Trump years when like some of the worst shit happened like Charlottesville and stuff like that. And so people would write in, you're not supposed to talk about politics. This is supposed to be about people's lives. Oh <laughs> and I would God. be like, yeah, uh-huh. But uh jc would would let me know you know now don't get into a fight with someone over this and you know of course people like i said on the far left will also send in stuff that's totally crazy sometimes yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah over the years i've learned to it's not exactly water's water off the duck's back but i've learned to be a lot more equanimitable and like detached and and more like okay i have to understand that people get triggered in all kinds of ways, you know, so, you yeah. know. I want to end right. this, I want to, I want to bring up trauma real quick, and I want to kind of end it because mm. we've been two hours and I don't want to use more of your time, although I could do this for another six hours, to be honest. Yep. Um, so what I what I noticed is like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of trauma in, in all this kind of work. And what I think is amazing is a whole, there's a whole field of like trauma-informed care that you see in like, even in, I mean, in psych hospitals that don't even use them, but there's also a trauma-informed Kind of whole idea of care of, of education where you make people feel safe and i feel like what the strength of what you're doing with risk is you give people a safe space to be who they are and to share their story and that you know that's why you're saving lives i mean oh most people's yeah. jobs don't save a fucking life so like oh, what, you know whatever you're at with your life like saving someone's life to me is like you just had 15 lifetimes because most people don't do anything like that I see this as again as you being a healer and just taking taking care of people who you can relate to and tell them it's okay and that's such an amazing gift because that can change that can not only save a life it can change a life yeah a lot of people when they share on the show are super worried about reactions and how, this that and the other and what they don't realize is that this context of the way the show is framed and the show's history and the show's you know just feel makes the audience extraordinarily supportive and so 
you're exactly right. I mean, as cliche as the word safe space sound, that really effectively has worked over the years for risk that people do trust. Yeah. Oh, they're compassionate, they're thoughtful, they, they're very mindful of how this might affect this or that person or that, or, or that the people being talked about in the story are being treated fairly. So yeah, people do trust us, you know, and that's great. All right, well, I wanna thank you for your time. Um, this was one of the best conversations I've ever, I've had in the last 10 years of my life. Thanks again, man. This just, has been great. Just uh, but before we forget, we were talking about cross promotion, and I, I want to make sure that Kevin, you get to say it what you want to promote, where we can find you online. So the website for everything related to risk is risk-show.com. So you find the, all the archives and how to submit to us, and all that sort of thing is there. But you can access the audio podcast from anywhere you get your audio podcasts and the story studio is at the storystudio.org and then people can find me personally for like storytelling training at kevinallison.com thanks again kevin it was great thank great you guys it was great uh, to, great to for meet you and great to see you yeah. again thanks again kevin Have great to see day. you kevin thanks for joining us yeah yes, this, was, indeed. this was wonderful and there you have it. Thank you so much to the great Kevin Allison for such a heartfelt, free-flowing, and honest talk, as well as all the love, support, and advice he's given us as we launch the pod. Thank you to my co-host Rich for creating such a loving community through Vintage Annals Archive on Instagram and for inviting me on this adventure with him. Thank you to Alexandra Jones for all her development advice, script editing, and patience throughout this show's creation. And thank you, the listener. I hope you stick with us as we try to make this show as weird and wonderful as we can. This show was mixed, edited, and recorded by me, Dr. Thunder, who has never done anything like this before. Does it show? We've got many more conversations coming your way from great guests in the weeks ahead, so subscribe to the Vintage Annals Archive podcast. Tell your friends about us and let us know what topics you think we should tackle, which people we should talk to, and anything else you'd like to hear. Reach out through VintageAnnalsArchive.com, VintageAnnalsArchive at gmail.com, at VintageAnnalsArchive on Instagram, and subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Find me, Dr. Thunder, at DrThunder.com, that's D-O-C-T-O-R, Thunder.com, or at Thunder Karaoke on Facebook or Instagram. Until next week, I don't want to be your principal, I want to be your principal. Class dismissed.